Hello and welcome to another episode of Interview with a Schizophrenic. I'm your host, Duncan Samra Singer, and today I have the great pleasure of having Byron with me. Byron is from Michigan. He is 36 years old. Um, he has a diagnosis of schizoaffective, um, and that may be under review. Um, so welcome to the show, Byron. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. So the first question I'm going to ask, it's always the same question, just to give you, a, I want you to give a history of your mental health journey. Uh, you can start um, wh- whatever age you want um, and sort of give a give a summary um, just to take us to the present day. So if you'd like to do that, you can take breaks. You can talk for as long as you want or for short as you want. Um, I, can, I can always ask more questions. Absolutely. And um, I guess where it all started... Um was when I was about 23 years old. That's when I first started getting help through the mental health, you know, like yeah. uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and all the like. And um, I, uh, I failed a course at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor four times in a row. And it's because I was having Tourette's tics and I'd have to leave the class really from being such a disruption. It was like Wait, so 400 was plus. I had Tourette's. Tourette's, oh, Tourette's, Tourette's. Yeah. And I... um. I still have it to this day. It used to be once every 30 seconds I go and bump my head, but now it's about once a month. And unfortunately I beat myself up when I, when I have my Tourette's ticks. it's, it's like uh, very violent and it's only to myself. It's self-inflicted, but there's a history behind that too. If you can remember to ask her, I'll talk about it later on. But yeah, I was interrupt. I, um, the reason why I was 23 years old before I got help was because my family does not believe in mental health help. Uh, I'm going to say everything about my family today is alleged. I don't want to get sued, but if they do try to sue me, I have witnesses that can, you know, get me for, that can spot me for slander or libel. It'd be slander in this case because it's vocal. But uh, yeah, um, my family, I grew up in a lot of abuse, a lot of neglect. Um, My brother was a bully my whole life. My older brother by about three years. Um, He'd keep a tally owed of how many beatings were expected. Like uh, the highest it ever got was 47. But he would say he would say a beating that would be owed for later when he'd get away with it is what he was trying to do there. And uh, if it, if I didn't lay down perfect and take the strike, and sometimes it was two or three strikes, you know, and then he'd just say, like, you got to do that over again. And then we'd do it over again. And uh, it, it created a state of learned helplessness. And um, like for a while there, I would just sit there numb and take it. It was actually when he tickled me for about three or four hours straight one time that I learned to tune out the pain and pleasure. And, um, in this case it was pain, obviously, but, um, yeah. Uh, where am I going with this? Let's see. That's like torture, isn't it? That's, oh, it was torture my whole life, man. Like I grew up, my life wasn't free until I was 30 years old and it took that long. And they always say it gets better. It doesn't always get better. It's like, you got to make it get better. And I met my wife when I was in my thirties and I was able to escape my family at that point. And, um, yeah, it was rough. Like I had food, food, non-perishable food and water in my closet and uh, cups to piss in. Excuse me. But uh, yeah, and um, 
I had to hold in my poop all day some days. Like it was rough. Eventually, that's but, criminal. That sounds criminal. I know it is. If CPS knew what was going on, uh, then I would have been taken away for sure. And I had a friend in uh, Catholic school that saw the bruises about a quarter of the time. I didn't want to show them all the time because it would just ruin the mood of the day. But sometimes I had to show them my bruises just to air them out, like just to know, just to let someone know that this shit's really going on with me. And um, I usually always got beaten in the hair underneath my hair and, and beneath my clothes. Allegedly, of course, I'm saying all this, and uh, and that's because it hide the bruises. And uh, if there there was a few times it showed up on my face, and the school kind of caught wind of it a little bit, but it was a Catholic school, so they they're pretty uh, authoritarian there and kept it under, kept it under. Everything was buried and swept underneath the rug when I grew up. And my parents knew they were neglectful. Um, I believe my dad may have Tourette syndrome as well because he likes to clear his throat in a certain way. My mom, I believe, is bipolar. My brother, I think, if this is even possible, he's a psychopath to the general public, but he's a sociopath with me because I can get underneath his skin. And You know, you know it's like family. I was thinking about the other day. Family is just a name for folk who, you, who can abuse you and get away with it. You know? family, is, is, family is who you make. You know, That's who your real family is. I, yeah. I haven't talked to my brother since a Royce Fied 9 concert in uh, June 2016. So it's been over six years now. And I haven't seen my family, any other family member since January 2019. And I have my reasons for that, obviously. And um, it just, it kept getting worse and I thought it would get better. You know, there's a lot of Stockholm syndrome, a lot of different things that make you think that you can change other people. And they're not, if they're not willing to change, they're not welcome in my life anymore. And I, and I tell them they need therapy and they think I'm the only one that needs therapy. And, and like, I'm just a, a black sheep or whatever, but I let it slide. Like, what am I going to do? You know, I sometimes think that they have changed. Like, it's just, it's wavy, you know, like the, the five to seven stages of grief. And, um, sometimes I want to believe that they've changed. And so I'll like, they'll write an email to me and I'll write back, but it's always ugly. You know, my parents, um, they stole $50,000 from me allegedly from uh, my UGMA account. It was partially a trust fund and partially also money I put in myself with my own hard-earned money. And it was just growing and, and everything. And uh, and I thought I wasn't supposed to get it till I was 32 years old because my parents are so such like pessimists in the sense that they thought that I'd be divorced by the time I was 32, therefore gaining extra sums of money to help me financially wherever I would be in life. But I got married at 32 and I realized I wasn't getting the money and they were laundering, you know, allegedly like they were, they signed my name, like in all capital letters, I don't sign my name that way. You know, like if I look at the the paperwork and that, and it's ugly. And like, I've, t- I've confronted my father about this and he just says, Oh, we paid this for you, this, this, this. And like, it's like, okay, I see how this is, you know, yeah, like emotional blackmail. Oh, it's whatever you want to call it, man. It's yeah. But I've been rambling your ear for, Looks like six minutes here, so <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that that's another criminal uh, case, isn't it? Really, they, you know, I mean, I can, I guess you're worried about what they're going to do to you, but only for a little while. Yeah. And when I have enough money saved up, I already do right now. But like, I could, I'm willing to take them to court, and they lose their ass. I already know it. I have witnesses and stuff, but it's rough, you know, having to say allegedly all the time. It makes it seem goofy, but I have to say, no, it. no, 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 that's fine. So, so this obviously precipitated uh, some severe mental health condition. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I have a few conditions. Um, I've broke through some of them, I, I reckon. I don't know. I haven't been diagnosed in a while. But throughout the course of the years, I'll go in chronological order. At 23, I was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome because I kept having those tics. 
Uh, later on, I was di- I was diagnosed with severe anxiety and severe depression. From there, uh, I had an episode in Chicago where I tried to live with my friend, and um, that didn't turn out well because I moved to Pilsen at some point in Chicago, which is off the pink line if you ride the loop there. And um, I just lost my mind. I was drinking 18 plus beers a day and smoking weed and losing my mind. And uh, they threw me in the mental hospital from that one. I've been in, I've been in the mental hospital in and out on 12 different occasions at 13 different hospitals. And most of them were in like a year period when uh, when I was when I moved to Chicago and even before then I was suicidal and things like that. But again, back to the mental health. Uh, diagnoses, whatever you want to call them. Um, I've been labeled as, uh, you know, Tourette's, severe depression, severe anxiety. Later on, it was schizophrenia because I admitted of my hallucinations. Uh, then eventually I was called bipolar. And from there, I've had uh, schizoaffective disorder, which is like a hybridization of the two of bipolar and schizophrenia. But I've talked to my psychologist. I don't have her anymore. I have a different one because I had to move. But um, she suspects I'm schizotypal because apparently my parents knew I was autistic my whole life. And I, and that hurts me so much because it would have changed my life if I had more time to take tests and things like that. And even just get help, you know, from, you know, special ed. It's not bad, you know. And um, but I'm likely autistic because my son, we haven't gotten my academically evaluated yet, but he's on the spectrum you know, and, and my wife might be autistic too. It, it's just an autistic family here and, and we're all cool with it, but it's like, you gotta, re- we gotta realize that we don't act like the social norms, you know? Yeah. I think, um, uh, um, autism is becoming, uh, more, um, in the spotlight now than it was say 20 years ago. Oh yeah. Um, or even 30 they, years they've ago. Even, they've even discovered that if you have ADHD Tourette's, like these are all signs that you have, um, uh, autism and uh, there's there's other signs too like that people I think they say it's one in 54 people have, have autism I, it wouldn't phase me a bit if it was one in 10 I just think most people live their lives functionally enough where they don't ever need to get diagnosed or anything so can you tell me what is schizotypal so from what I understand you can look it up online you can take surveys on it and I, I, t- I took like a nine question survey with my psychologist and I got eight of them and you only needed four or five to be considered as such I, I haven't been diagnosed by a psychiatrist or neurologist yet but um to my understanding it's basically schizophrenia hybridized with autism and the only real difference is thankfully i'm able to with with schizotypal having autism you're able to deduce that sometimes your hallucinations are fake or that they aren't real and you can just squander that squander that belief and not believe that you know delusion hallucination whatever it may be and I have techniques that, like my Tourette's, I virtually cured it. I know it sounds terrible to get beating myself up once a month, but it's better than it used to be. And I used to meditate 15 minutes twice a day for three months, and that got rid of it, like a lot of it. And you know, it started dying down to about once a week, and now it's once a month. And um, yeah, I I can't recommend enough meditation, just working on your breathing, working on uh, clearing your head you know, and, and not feeling guilty over having racing thoughts, like just allow them to exist and let them pass by. And, um, for schizotypal would help me fight my schizophrenia the most or whatever I'm labeled, you know, just don't call me late for dinner, you know, call me whatever you want, you know, but, uh, what helped me deduce a lot of things is I call them anchor points. I don't know what they call them in the professional field, but 
I uh, let's say I don't know if I'm dreaming or if I'm awake or if I'm hallucinating. It's usually when I've been up for a long time. I'm under a lot of stress, perhaps drug induced, which is not so much of a thing anymore. I haven't drank in three years, but uh, I uh, I look her at my surroundings and I go, okay, I'm looking at this carpet right now. If I were in a dream, I just say, okay, that's carpet and move on. But if this is reality, I can look deep into that carpet and see textures that my mind is not able to imagine on its yeah. own. And that's what I call anchoring points. Like it can be any, like any sense of your body, you know, just, and then I got stories. Like I used to think that people were following me in the past. You know, I've had paranoia and proanoia symptoms where I had symptoms where I was elated and it was dangerous. Like I thought, you know, I thought I was Jesus at one point and like, I don't even, and I, and I used to be, I ra- I was raised Roman Catholic. I became atheist in my twenties because I'm a chemist. I, I I studied a lot of like what's a lot of science folk, and that rubbed off on me, which is good. Like I think atheists are great people, and um, and uh, eventually the closest label I can label myself as is uh, pantheist, which is like the belief that everything. It's like a light switch. It's basically if you're atheist, you believe nothing's God, nothing's nothing of that sort of exists. But I flipped the switch in that sense. And I believe that everything is God. Like I see yeah. God in a in a lump of uh, soil yeah, that's and anything. Good. Yeah. And um, when I was see like the, one of the last times I was, like the eighth or ninth time I was put in the mental hospital is because they thought I, I thought I was Jesus and like I and I had no problem. But no one sat down and talked to me about it. The the psychiatrist there made fun of me. In fact, kept asking what my name is just to try to get a rise out of me. You know. You know. I think. Most schizophrenic go through a phase where they think they're Jesus. You know, I've seen it so many times, and yeah, it's terrible that a medical professional can can take it in that manner because it is actually a serious delusion. Um, oh yeah, yeah. If you, you know? can think, if you think you can perform miracles and things like that, that's dangerous. I didn't believe that. I actually have a like a kind of a absurd belief in Jesus, and like and any and it doesn't matter. It's what I was raised in. Like it could have been Muhammad, it could have been anybody. But like for me, I think personally Jesus Jesus was either an ordinary ordinary man or maybe an extraterrestrial if he was that powerful. Like I don't know how he could have all those powers. But like I think honestly, Jesus was an ordinary man. This is my belief. This is not this does not go with other people necessarily. But like uh I feel that every one of his miracles was uh a game of telephone did you ever play that game in kindergarten or when you were younger in school like there's this gossip game where you play where you say one word into a, a person's ear yes, and then it, yes. yeah chinese, we call it chinese whispers okay and um yeah so i believe that jesus every one of his miracles if you look at them they're a metaphor so he could turn water into wine that to me is a metaphor that he's like the most social person that could ever exist like he he could turn water into wine like he can make people want to talk and get them going in a party and like, you know, uh, any of them walking on water to me, that means like, Oh, he, he was unstoppable. And if you believed in him, he, he, you would be able to do whatever he was said he could do. I don't actually believe he walked on water. And this is what I believe back then. I had these beliefs where Jesus was just an ordinary man, but an extraordinary person. Like he tried his best to be at least hypocritical as possible, you know, like to be a good human being. And, uh, you know, and even when he died and, and uh, was raised three days after death, that could be a metaphor too. Maybe he was, he was just dead, but like the Romans thought that he was not going to be able to have popularity. And if anything, it made him into a martyrdom, like a martyr. And um, in terms of all that, you know, like I'm, 
um, that's mass delusion. I think every person on this planet is is uh, mentally ill in some facet. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. serious. Yeah, no, and, no, you could be right. You could be right. And yeah. I honestly think that um, there's mass delusion. I think a lot of religions are delusional. And I'm not bashing people because you need to grip onto something to get through this life. It's pretty rough. But uh, else, uh, I don't even know what I was going to say about it. But like, I don't know. For me, it's like I started believing in pantheism or whatever you want to call it. I don't believe in isms either. Like I have a saying. I say, take your isms, any of them, any any belief, patriotism, any of it. Take your isms, schism them with a prism. Like mm-hmm. put a prism up to it. And you can see the different lights shining off it, yeah, the different arrays of lights. That's good, and yeah. that's how we know what the stars are made out of. Like mm-hmm. from far away, we take prisms to them and we can see that they're mostly hydrogen and helium, at least on the outside. Mm-hmm. But that's that's fascinating to me. That's good, man. I, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, you come across as somebody who's, who's very lucid, um, quite clear thinking and very thoughtful. Um, I think from what you've gone through, you've got... Um, you've got your own unique perspective um, on, on life and, and, and how it relates to you. Um, so yeah, that's good, man. Thank um, you. You know, um, yeah, panetheism, I, I'm kind of spiritual, uh, non-religious, but I have had a Christian background, um, but I'm in spiritual, which means I've got a firm belief in, in spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like panetheism pantheism because that that relate i relate to that because i do also believe that god you can see spirit everywhere everywhere is an example of spirit it's just that i would say that say like a forest or a waterfall is mm-hmm. a that's pure that's that's the most beautiful aspect of spirit um but you can see it everywhere because we're all we're all part of it um so i do I, like that i agree and what really firmly the, I mean, you can call me whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. You call me communist, even. I don't care. Call me whatever you want. I don't care. But, like, um, the reason why I identify partially with pantheism in particular is when I looked up this image, and I this is homework for anybody out there listening, like, Google image search or whatever your favorite search engine is and type in internet server, known universe, and mind just the, like a brain brain dendrite and like you'll see they're identical in shape they're they're if you like we don't even know what the known universe really looks like it's only theoretical but if you keep pulling back and pulling back and pulling back away from all the galaxies then you see that the shape is roots roots it's all shaped like roots and um yeah i got weird beliefs you know i i, yeah, I got you know i think um the fact that you talk about space and you've obviously got an interest in um in astronomy and and uh, and the universe, I, I also find that fascinating. And the great thing about it is that it takes us away from this planet and our existence. And it, there's something so much bigger than us, so much greater. Oh yeah, so much more beautiful. You know, it's, it's humbling. Like, it's, it's humbling. humbling. Yeah, it's humbling. Yeah. Um, so I think that is a that is a that that is a great uh, thing to be interested in. And 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 yeah, I I also that is something that which I find fascinating as well. Um, I can tell you something that'll blow your mind. And I'm a chemist, and like I'll tell you, it's the same thing. Chemistry. There's this movie called The Fountain, and it's directed by Darren Aronofsky. 
It's got Hugh Jackman in it and uh, Rachel Wise, I think it's her name. I, she's a U of M grad too. <laughs> I forget what her, what her name was. I'm sorry. But anyways, the movie's called The Fountain and it was a graphic novel originally. And they were low on budget. And they're like, how are we going to film these like nebula outer space visuals? And what they ended up doing was grabbing a microscope and doing chemical reactions with it. Because the cool. chemicals that are in a microscope are the same what's in the universe. And it, okay. it's beautiful visuals. It's not necessarily yeah. the greatest movie ever. I like it a lot. But some people, I can understand not liking it. <laughs> it's very strong. It's all about cancer and death and things okay. like that. But uh, very emotional movie. So just a heads up there. If you're in a low place, maybe not watch it right now. Yeah, but, um, good, yeah. yeah, it's a good movie. And um, what I wanted to say is, you know, it, let's imagine the nucleus of a hydrogen atom being the size, just the proton and neutron being the size of a marble, just a, just an ordinary toy marble. And we got something that's smaller than a grain of sand, the electron orbiting around it. Okay. Now imagine this is spinning so fast, just spherically in this orbital, it's, it's spinning so fast that you can't see the nucleus, you know? And so my question to you is this, this, Electron, it's a grain of sand that's going so fast around the nucleus that you can't even see the nucleus. How far away do you think they are uh, in terms of uh, that ratio? You know, it's this, you know, in, in reality. Like, so I'm saying the nucleus is a marble and, and the electron small in a grain of sand or the width of a hair. Guess how far away they are? Um, I, when I was um, picturing it in my mind, I was thinking in terms of like millimeters. But okay, you ready? Gonna, yeah, go on. You ready? It's two miles. So <laughs> okay. it's like, what? You times that by 1.6, another difference for kilometers? You know, so it's it's a huge distance. Yeah. And the reason why I talk about this metaphor is like, that's what happens a lot, even out there with the mental health, you know, system. Uh, when I was a chemist, whenever we were able to deduce what was in, you know, uh, a sample, we had to put a, we had to drown it with something that was known, you know, yeah. either helium, if it were a gas, cause that's an inert gas, it doesn't react with anything or like, like an alcohol or, or some sort of solvent that we know what that molecule looks like, but then it, it just completely isolates the other molecule with the makeup of the intended molecule is. So it'd be like a one to 100 ratio. You put one of the unknown substance and then a hundred of the unknown or more. And like, there it is on a graph because you're able to see it out. And so what I'm trying to get at with these two metaphors is that um, the reason why we see stars at night is because they're so far apart. There's no difference between the electron orbiting uh, a, a, the nucleus versus a planet orbiting uh, the sun. Yes. And, yeah. and that's all the stars. It's all the galaxies. And that goes on and on and on forever. But like, it takes eight minutes for the sun race to hit us so the sun's yeah. already gone by eight minutes ago mm -hmm. like where, where it was you yeah. know and and like if you think about it you look up in the sky the night sky there's red shift blue shift that's a whole conversation about um how yeah, old the universe you, is you're actually you're actually seeing time aren't you when you look at space you're seeing yeah layers you can of time. see the history of the big bang yeah and that's just one like who knows how many multiverses there are yeah. or whatever we live in yeah. you know if there's parallel universes and everything we, mm -hmm. we know nothing right now and that's another humbling, exciting thing to consider about in the field of science or any of it is that we are just like Carl Sagan kind of said, he said, we're dipping our toes in the short, in the ocean shore and, and the water seems inviting. And it's like, man, I'll tell you, that's what I get excited about every day is just knowing that I can be alone. I got to be comfortable being alone sometimes, mm -hmm. but 
there are people out there for everyone out there. And that's what I just want to say to the viewers. If you're schizophrenic or, or you have some sort of mental illness, you're not alone. Yeah, read up, alone. read up Wikipedia on your diagnosis and like whatever prescriptions you're given. I made that mistake once I was given Depakote an anti-seizure medication. And that was the only medicine I never looked up on Wikipedia and it almost killed me. And then I got, I was given another anti-seizure medication, Trileptol. And that, that almost killed me too. I lost hair. I was like, I would, I'd stand up and faint sometimes and I had to stop taking it, but I'm on, I'm on i I'm willing to share. I'm on Abilify now, which is like an antipsychotic and, and like a mood stabilizer for me. I'm not in any antidepressant cause I've gotten, I fight, I fight through a lot of my depression. I, I really am not that de- I'm depressed when I'm in a state of mania for a very long time. And then I'm crashing. That's when I'm at my worst, but I know how to get through it now. And I just look for anything that finds me gratitude. That includes just being able to breathe, being able to talk, being able to walk on my own, anything you can find gratitude in anything, the smallest things. And that could help me snap out of my deepest funks. You know, I feel you, man. I feel you. And it's good. And I, I, by the way, I want to ask you about your, uh, your creativity because, because that is, we did, we did discuss it online. I just want to, can you, can you go through what, what you've been, uh, uh, creating as as part of your um, as part of to raise awareness and your therapy and just for entertainment. Oh yeah. Um, well, I started out. I remember when I was three years old, I drew these Ninja Turtles. You know, because I was into them back then, and I drew them. And I said I could do this for the rest of my life. And there's been multiple occasions where my dad said I'll never be an artist, I'll never be a cartoonist, and somehow I'm, I am both. Like I, I do it anyway. And I've painted photorealistic paintings before. I've I've paint I draw abstract pieces. I uh, I draw mandalas. I draw I've drawn I want to say over twenty thousand faces. And I mean like not just the same face. Like and I do that too, but as like memes. But like I also have drawn twenty thousand different plus like contorted weird faces. And I had to get I, I was like nowadays what I use is this website called. I think it's this person does not exist.com and it's artificial intelligence constructing a face for me, you know, like that is like this person doesn't exist in real life and they did just make a fake person. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. That helps me as a reference because I don't want to get caught drawing a celebrity (laughs) and getting sued over. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, I think it was Shepard Ferry. Mm -hmm. I think the guy that drew the Hope poster for Obama, he got sued when he, when he drew that Hope poster and like the, yeah, from the photographer and and mm-hmm. Obama used it for his uh, campaign. I'm not getting political or anything. I'm just saying what happened. It was weird. But yeah, and so um, I draw and paint. I've drawn. I've drawn and paint my whole life. And then in 2007, well, 2010, I met Logic on the street in Chicago. Right after he was done being called Psychologic, and I have a whole zine on that. And I'm willing to share that with you if you want to put it in your description or not. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm cool. gonna put all the links in the description. Okay. Um. um yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So that you know. I, I I think that's great that you're that you're creative and that's kind of mind blowing your artistic level. Um, I think it'd be fantastic if you can share some of the art if you have a link for that. You know that will be yeah. That, that's, probably that's the that. best place to go is Woohoo Poo Poo, and okay. like I'm on YouTube and I'm a, I got a .dot com but it's pretty ancient. I got to change okay. it up a little bit. But I got a good Instagram and YouTube going under, and it's W O O H O O P O O P O O. It's double O's all around. It worked for Google. Okay, we'll, we'll, put, the, we'll put the link in the description. That's fine. sure. Um, and, and also, you mentioned you wanted to, you wanted to read some poetry that you've written. Yeah, um, and I start I started I started writing poetry. You know, I wrote a little bit in high school, nothing like just for assignments, and I did pretty well back then. I didn't think anything of it, but when I first met Logic on the streets of Chicago, 
I was wearing a mask and he asked who my favorite rapper was. I said, MF doom. And he told me I could rap and we talked for hours about it. And like, um, I didn't, I didn't really believe him at first. I didn't believe in him until he started spitting some lines. I was like, man, this guy is fire. And, uh, I didn't believe myself until seven years later. I started writing poetry in, um, in February, 2017. So it's been about five years now and, and I can rap, I can freestyle, but I got to be careful freestyling because if I freestyle, sometimes I get like obsessive compulsive disorder with it. It landed me in the hospital one time because I couldn't stop rapping. Like I couldn't stop rapping at everything, but (laughs) excuse me. So I'll read one here. This one's getting published in Detroit and Detroit's, uh, uh, poetry magazine next issue for spring summer or summer and fall i can't remember but it's the next issue of uh detroit Riverwise magazine shout outs mm-hmm. to Val. thanks for hooking me up and this one's called america what is beautiful and so the book i'm releasing i didn't talk about that i'll talk about that real quick i'm releasing this book called right on the line and it's a play on the phrase read between the lines and like just like blood you know it's written in black white yeah. and red and mm-hmm. the colors are only that it's only black and white and red all over, which is an old joke here. I don't even think gen- like zoomers would get the joke because newspapers have been gone, but the riddle used to be what's black and white and red all over. And like, you'd say a newspaper cause you read it, but it's black and white and it's red all over. But like, <laughs> I, I, I played with that phrase between read between the lines and, and I wanted to make something that's black and white and red all over. And so, um, what I did is I have 101 poems for this book and it's going to be out by September. I'm giving nice. the first copy to Logic. I'm going to go see him September 1st. Uh, I got really good seats. I blew a lot of money on it. And like, I, I'm going to make sure he gets this book if it's the last thing I do. But I mean, I'm going to contact security in that. I've done this stuff before. But like, this is this is my first real finished piece like that I can actually mass produce and sell. And um, it's it's right on the line. And I'll just read this poem. It's getting published. And it's uh, the, the image is a Benjamin Franklin $100 bill in black, white, and red. And the name of the poem is America, What is Beautiful? And so here we go. Divide and conquer, divide bonder. We do as America not seeing how we conned here. We are farther than genocide and slavery. Turning blind eyes, it's all me, me, me. The truth is wrong among the misinformed and distracted. The truth is wrong along the misdone-informed people of plastic. For-profit prisons have slaves. There's Mexican children in camps. Politicians deem brave while immediate actions are traps. The day will come shortly when the global economy collapses. Thank God at last, I say, unless death's designed as massive masses. Get back or be passive, mask it. And that's that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds kind of like the way you spoke, it was kind of like a rap as well. Um, yeah. You know, kind I, of, it's, it's like a, you know, got that sort of beat to it. But I know, I know. Well, I, might, I might make them into raps in the future. I got a mm. pen pal in London that I'm trying to make an album with at some point, but mm. that's all in the future road. And like, I hope logic picks up on this, but you know what? I did this for me. Even if this book flops, I don't care. I did it for me. You, you know, know, you know, um, I read online recently that there, I think there's been like 50 million books ever published in the history of the earth. So mm-hmm. that that's a very small percentage of books compared to people. So it's an achievement just to get a book out there. Um, Thank you. And and you know and then I I, I really do think that and 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 you never know what's going to happen. It's kind of exciting. So you never know you never yeah, know what's going to happen. I was talking to two people yesterday randomly and um, two two separate occasions and they wanted to buy my book and I just didn't have it out yet. So that's a good sign yeah. for me, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, and I got okay. other poems too. But we I, it's whatever's best for time, you know. Yeah, Byron. I think I think I'm going to wrap it up here. But what I want to ask you um, 
is um, what kind of music would you like me to put onto this episode? Um, what, what type of music would you would you like? Uh, I like lo-fi hip hop. Shout outs to Dilla and Nujabes, the founders of okay. that genre of music. That okay. is, they, there's a whole book called Dilla Time that came out this year, and like the guy invented a new sort of beat making that's off off the beat you know like yeah that's kind of like chill music isn't it i find it on youtube yeah that's yeah like, and i yeah. can rap over that i'm gonna mm. i i can rap over boom bat beats and all that but mm. like I, it's whatever you want to put on man i i like it's yeah let, let, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to find something like that um that's fine you know it was a real pleasure talking to you byron thank you duncan um, thanks for having me on you know um you know you're welcome to come back for another episode um i don't know when that will be but um you know, be stay patient and are great to hear you hear from more from you because I think, you know, you really got a, a lot to say and you've got an incredible journey. Um and, and I think it's an inspiration to anybody that's listening or, or watching this. Um so yeah, so it's been a real pleasure, man. I'm honored and thank you for all the compliments. It's something I used to have a hard time taking, but I just soak it in because it shows a vulnerability on your end too. And I just gotta say thank you. This podcast is wonderful. It's a great way for people to reach out and humanize our mental illness. Cheers, Brian. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you.